This is the Washington Indivisible Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Cox. In this year's upcoming legislative session, Democrats in both the House and Senate will be reintroducing a wealth tax for Washington. Listeners to this show are aware that our state has the most upside-down tax structure in the nation, and this bill would work to partially address that by levying a 1% tax on residents with assets above $250 million, impacting about 700 individuals here in the state. Here to talk about this is our friend, 41st LD Representative and Deputy Leader of the House, Milan Tai, who will be reintroducing the wealth tax in the House. Representative Tai, always a pleasure, my friend. How are you? Happy New Year, all that good stuff. Hey, thank you, Stephen. Happy New Year to you as well. I'm doing relatively fine getting ready for session. So, um, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I know that you have uh, a lot in your head in advance of the uh, this year's legislative session, which begins, of course, on Monday. We're recording this on a Thursday. Uh, so we really appreciate you taking the time to stop by and talk with us about this. And, you know, I will, I will just start by saying this is the third session where the wealth tax is going to be introduced. So talk a little bit about why you're reintroducing the wealth tax this year. Well, Stefan, thank you for giving me an opportunity to um, to check in with your audience and uh, to share uh, in in this space um, why I uh, have the honor to sponsor the um, the title as wealth tax. Also, um, as you mentioned, Washington State um, has the most regressive um, tax system. And when we say regressive tax system, we need to, in my mind, further articulating what this means. It means that the people who worked the hardest, earned the least, pay the most tax. Um, whereas the ultra wealthy pay the least when it's come to tax in Washington state system. Um, at the same time, we're looking at, um, where our tax dollar being, being paid into what do we what do we use tax uh, dollars for we're we looking at transportation um anywhere from a building new road a maintaining road and to uh, a ferry system to building multimodal transportation to uh to to ensuring food security for people um, to providing funding for public education, which we know is critically important. And so yeah. all of those are the reason why we need to really look at uh, our tax system as a whole and ask ourselves, um, recognizing our wrong, are we continued uh, those wrongs? Or are we going to choose to right the wrong? Um, that is one. And really, secondly, just getting out of the pandemic, services, mental health services, um, healthcare coverage, a lot of those areas, oh, and housing, a lot of those areas needed um, ample funding. Uh, to provide support so that people have an opportunity to get out of where they are uh, during this crisis. And uh, this is the right time to ensure that the state having positive revenue so that we can provide those supports. Um, those are 
few reasons why I uh, chose to continue working on um, introducing the wealth tax uh, to the legislature. Yeah, and, and as you say, it, it really is very much the right thing to do, in addition to some of the bounce back that we're seeing from the pandemic. You're listing a number of areas where, you know, ultimately we can use more funding. I'll just ask you, would a wealth tax be earmarked for specific things or is it more of a general fund? Yeah, well, thank you for that question, too. I, I think that is certainly a policy um, um, questions as well. Um is definitely up for debate. Um, we can look at if wealth tax is going to put into a general fund, which um, much more um, uh, uh, flexible when the budget writer would be able to look for where the services needed the most and and use that dollars. Um, vice versa, um, ensuring that we earmarked um, for a particular area. So we've done a lot of research and polling. Um, nothing we do or introduce at the legislature without engaging the public and having a clear idea of what um, the public needs are. So I can share with you at this point in time as the policy is being drafted, they really focus on funding um, to provide um, support uh, for public school servicing our special education. Schools, um, special education, that sort of schools, thing. Schools, special yeah. educations. Uh, the second area that we heard repeatedly is around housing. Okay. How do we ensure to provide more supportive permanent housing for our citizens in Washington? Really, the next piece is really something near and dear to my heart. Um, as you know, in 2021, we passed um, a piece of policies and uh, funding uh, to create working family tax credit in Washington state. It's being praised across the nation because our state is the only state that have this in place without an income tax. And so to ensure that the people who need to support the most from their government through the working family tax credit, it's gonna be a piece um, in this entire conversation. And really last but not least, we heard repeatedly the need to support not just our little people um, in special education within the K-12 system, but people who live with developmental disability, physical uh, disabilities across the board, how do we ensure that um, there is a sense of secure as far as housing, as far as healthcare for this particular population? And so these are um, the four buckets that we identified when we pass wealth tax. Um, the funding is going to go specifically into these spaces. And as you say, these are the sorts of things that you will be responsive to um, and, and listening to constituents uh, when you uh, begin to apportion a tax like this, uh, when and should it, it, it pass. Uh, school, special education, housing, uh, the, uh, the child tax credit, uh, helping those with developmental disabilities, all things that you're thinking about at this point. And, you know, as I mentioned in the intro, it's a 1% tax on residents with assets above $250 million. This impacts, this is going to impact about 700 residents. So with that in mind, uh, can you say uh, roughly ballpark how much this tax would raise? Right. So with, with those figures you just shared, we estimate around $3 billion a year 
um, taxing financial assets. Um, and and it's, it's the 1% is how it's framed is that this is a wealth tax, meaning um, it's very specific. Wealth um, uh, can, can be defined as properties. And we have tangible properties like home, land, um, and intangible properties. And so wealth specifically tax on the intangible uh, property, property part. And, and for uh, uniformity um, uh, portions of the, of the tax statute, um, the 1% is being used. You know, I know when uh, Representative Frame in last year's session was discussing this bill, uh, two of the arguments she was pushing against were an argument that this was an excise tax, that it was potentially an income tax, which, of course, we don't have here in Washington state. One of the things that she said is that it's akin to a property tax, as you say. So, you know, I, I will just put this out there for you. Should this bill pass, I'm sure that we'll expect a court challenge like we saw with the capital gains tax. What are your thoughts then on the constitutionality of a wealth tax and how it would hold up. Absolutely. Um, if anything, we, um, I believe deep, I believe um, like to my core that we are lifelong learner. And so um, we learned from experience. We learned from um, uh, multiple different perspectives. And so as we, uh, as we worked on this legislation, we have also reached out to legal experts to really help us um, look at the constitutionality of, of wealth uh, tax. And um, we cross-checked, and it was not just one group of le legal experts that we have checked in with. We have checked in with multiple different uh, group, um, especially those who who's really uh, uh, have expertise in constitutional law um, in Washington state. And I can assure you that, um, yes, it will be challenged, and, uh, and, and no, it is legal sound and we would not violate our constitution uh, when it comes to whether well tax is a form of income tax. I want to get your thoughts on a couple of other uh, arguments that we've heard against the wealth tax. Uh, Jeff Bezos was recently in the news, as we know, uh, announcing he's going to be relocating to Miami. Uh, so we've heard this argument, right, that the wealthy would be incentivized to leave the state. Are you concerned at all about this sort of thing? Well, you know, if anything, Mr. Bezos put out a statement, the reason why he relocated to Miami, uh, which is kind of wonderful to be near his family, to be near his mom. Um, I wish that we all um, have that uh, flexibility as far as the, like uh, just an, a, 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 wherever we want to relocate, we could just pick up and go. Um, most of us is really gets, get, get, I don't want to say stuck, but well, most, most of us of are us, not one of the wealthiest people on the planet. So, well, yeah, there we go. Joking. Like <laughs> literally, you are where you are because of the job that's available to you. Um, deep down, we all wanted to be with our loved one. Um, so that is another piece of, of conversation we looked at. Um, many other states that have done some of the experiment experimenting uh, or piloting. And uh, we recognize that uh, the people who need to relocate 
because of job reason, are not these ultra rich people um, in terms of mobility. So the idea of the ultra rich is going to be moving to a different places. Um, the reason why people live where they are because of um, of multiple reasons. But for those who, um, I mean, I heard uh, a business people will move as well. The number one reason why a certain business or startups come and decided to uh, to begin um, uh, their business, the number one reason is skilled workforce. Right. The talents, right? Uh, tax has never been the top 10 of the reason why uh, a business is being locating in certain area. So, um, that is being repeatedly mentioned uh, and it's repeatedly being debunked. As I mentioned, this can be the third year that this bill is being introduced. We know that there are uh, very powerful moneyed interests that are lining up uh, to oppose this for obvious reasons. Um, what do you think are the really the biggest obstacles to passing something like this? And then how can we as citizen activists, myself, everybody watching, how can we work uh, on behalf of this bill? Well, thank you. I think I think you mentioned um, one of the biggest obstacle in our minds is is really the power of lobbying, um, the money throwing at that. Um, but at the same time, in that same breath, you mentioned activist, you mentioned advocate, you mentioned citizen who willing to take action. Um, the rich and the powerful has money to hire lobbyists. We, the people, use our voice to lobby. I mean, I I do not believe the term lobby is a dirty term. Um, we, each of us, can be both advocate and lobbyist. Um, we lobby our own uh, legislators by articulating uh, and sharing our narratives and our lived experience because I believe, I still believe that for those who chose uh, to run for office and to serve in the capacity as myself, um, wanted to serve their people and their constituent. And so it's about um, providing opportunity. It's about empowering people uh, to share their narrative. It's about turning every single citizen to be a lobbyist. So can can you imagine that um that power being unleashed? It's 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 um it doesn't it it we can literally change the shape of Washington and the face of Washington if and when we can get every citizen uh, engaging every informed citizen engaging and 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 lobby the legislators. Well, I do know that uh, some folks uh, who are affiliated with Indivisible are doing their part to uh, help envision, help help that vision to come to life uh, in in the shape of the Take Action Network. We've covered that here on the show. Uh, I know that uh, a lot of people are going to be getting involved. You know, you mentioned uh, the rich and powerful um, having an outsized uh, say in our politics. So th that makes me want to ask about uh, these uh, ballot initiatives that are uh, the 
six measure six measures right now who are being pushed by a MAGA millionaire uh, here in the state who has spent about six million dollars to get signatures for them. Um, these measures would undo progress made on the climate, on equitable taxation, on safe conduct by police. Would cut almost nine hundred million dollars a year from public schools and child care. Now I know that you worked on a, a number of these bills that these measures are trying to undo. So I imagine this is very personal for you. What are your thoughts generally on these ballot measures? I want to be, um, first of all, an optimistic individual. Um, We can't be in this line of work without being, um, you know, without having a a dose of optimism. Um, I believe that um, the voters will see through um, these initiatives and and really speak up um, at the at the ballot. However, um, as you know, these are still going through the process. Uh, my understanding is that the Secret- Secretary of State is still working on um, verifying all the signature. Mm-hmm. We wouldn't have, uh, I think, the final uh, uh, slate coming out from the uh, Secretary of State office until I believe around February, I'm I'm unsure, beginning or mid-February. So by that time, we will know more. Um, So that's first thing. Um, Secondly, um, I appreciate the process. Um, and I think this is what democracy is about. Um, we we do a lot of what what being seen as sort of like a tug of war, um, uh, push and pull around ideas and ideals, um, and that's why group like indivisible are so important um, by building community by building trust, by creating space so people can be informed um, and understand what's at stake. Um, And when initiatives like these um, really ask the questions, uh, who benefits? Is it me? And like being informed, that's how we can see through uh, propaganda, mis- and disinformation, and when that happened, I believe that's how and when democracy win. The power of the system should lie in people's hand. And certainly the people elected us. Uh, the people gave us the power to work on behalf of the people. Uh, these initiatives absolutely work against uh, that very sentiment. Um, at the t- same time, that's the process that we currently have. Um, so I I look forward to continue engaging with communities. Really, anywhere in the state of Washington, it does not have to be uh, within a very arbitrary uh, border of Legislative 41. Um, I believe that we have stories to tell and narratives to share. And when that happened, we stronger trust the legislative process, the political process, and really get the truth out there is what I hear you saying. Um, This is a short session uh, this year. It's a 60-day session. Uh, I'll just ask any final thoughts on what you imagine and even hope is going to be possible in this year's session. Everything is possible. This is why I love my work. Um, I love my work because I have colleagues who are both... um, 
uh, dreamers and doers. Uh, we dream of the possibilities, not only for this generation, but the next generation and more to come. Uh, we work on policies to ensure the people in Washington are healthy, wealthy, and happy. And because of that sentiment, everything is possible. Um, long sessions, we work on big policy, short sessions, we do not shy from big policies, but we continue to, as at the beginning of this conversation with you, Stefan, is that we are lifelong learner. We looked at what we we passed last sessions, and like in some cases, even a few sessions before, and asked ourselves how we can make it better. And it's better not because of representative tie in the 41st, it's better for Washingtonian. And I think because of that very deep down, very basic principle, I can't wait. I can't wait to enter system. I can't wait to engage with my colleague and community across the state. And I can't wait to see what come out uh, of session uh, by, I believe, March, I think March 6th. Okay. Well, you would know better than I. I know it's sometime early. <laughs> Listen, your optimism is is just contagious. Uh, all Washingtonians, healthy, wealthy, and happy. Who wouldn't want that? Representative Mulan Tai, again, thank you for taking the time to join us today. Thank you, Stefan. Thank you uh, to everyone who is doing this work and helping us get to uh, a better place for Washington. Happy New Year. And that'll do it for this week. The executive producer of the show is Kat Pipkin. If you would like to see a video version of this podcast, head to facebook.com slash indivisible podcast. The email address for the show is indivisiblepodcast at gmail.com. Special thanks to Lori Kowal. And as always, my thanks to you for listening. I'm Stephen Cox, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.